Yay. Well, I think, actually, that's the first time uh, since we put the new animation is that I got I got it right. So I'd just like to say thanks again to our friend uh, Joris. Uh, Joris Cool, I think he's called. Uh, it's got a very unusual name, Belgian friend, who has uh, very kindly rechanged the uh, animation, given it a more HD. But anyway, this is Sonic Talk. It's the podcast uh, to do with music technology and all such matters, music technology, uh, music productions, instruments, electronic music, anything you can think of that sort of surrounds the culture. Uh, well, music as well this week. I better broaden that out a bit because I've got a couple of topics that are not purely that as well. Um, so I, I'm just being told that my stream is a bit low on the bitrate. But hey, well, there's nothing I can do about it. And we're going. I'm recording it locally, so everything will be fine. Um, yes, so welcome to our guests. I want to say thank you very much to Isotope. Uh, if you're uh, wondering, we're going to be running a competition another this week. We're doing another giveaway of Stutter Edit 2. Uh, we will actually announce the winner for last week. So if you entered, uh, please do let know. That happens around halfway through the show. Show's around about an hour, hour and ten, you know, depending on how chatty or verbose we get. Who knows? We'll play it by air. But I want to say hello to my guests. Uh, we'll say hello, first of all, let's say hello to Mr. Gaz Williams, who's there in Bristol. Gaz, you're looking very brown, actually. Have you had some garden action or are you self-tanning? <laughs> oh, that's been going on. Um, no, I, I just went for a big walk and it was really sunny, so I think it must be a little bit like that. But, um, yes, nice to be here. It's, um, yeah, interesting, interesting times. Um Wow, uh, what what to say? I mean, <laughs> I have been dabbling lots with Eurorack in the last uh, in the last few weeks, so that has properly. I've gone from um, I've gone from total beginner to like you know like pub expert now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, Careful what you so, wish. Careful what no, you say. I'm you joking. I, I am joking. I'm joking. But um, I am starting to tap into the the bug now and um something uh, which i've been so fearful of has happened primarily because of the amount of choice what has happened i think it's just a few kind of unexpected things happened i think i plugged a few things in wrongly and got really interesting results and then that started to i've been so i mean i, I i've been chronicling this many people may have kind of watched some of these videos that i've been doing but uh I've been very, very, very um, nervous, almost, or, or apprehensive about the actual patching. Uh, not anymore. Yes, <laughs> those those crazy sort of mistakes have just led to sort of lots of puzzlement, but like lots more um, recklessness as well. Um, is it repeatable? Could you think you could oh, ever go back to where you were? Is is it repeatable anyway? Is that is that exactly the yeah? I suppose the opposite well, you know. point. Um, yeah, yeah, in part. I am learning I am learning quite a lot, but I'm also trying to unlearn and I think that's a key element really as well. Uh because I've got maybe some misconceptions or things which it changes how I go about stuff. Uh and I'm enjoying that. But the other big one for me, and I tell you, it is amazing is Melodyne 5. I have now finally upgraded to it and uh lurking in there is the holy grail in many ways you know let me just tell you why i mean the holy grail of music technology because you can do the thing that you've always wanted software to do which is you can take a jam that you had 20 years ago load it in and fix that mistake <laughs> <laughs> so no but i mean really you can put full things in there and extract chord tracks out of jams and tempo maps out of jams 
you know, and if mm. it's a free form stuff, that's a biggie. I'm telling you, that is such a biggie. Sorry to shout there because that is, a, I've been waiting all my life for it. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's almost, it, it is, it's like, it's like, it's DNA, isn't it? I mean, it's essentially what the, the, the building blocks. I mean, that's interesting. Well, maybe we'll hear a bit more about that, but uh, thank you for your intro, Gaz. Uh, I also have Mr. Charles Chicky Reeves, who's there in uh, his studio in London, uh, where I, th- mm-hmm. I believe you literally, I hope you didn't, I hope you didn't rudely bundle the client out the door uh, virtually, as it were, to make the time, but I appreciate you, you sort being of. on. <laughs> no, <Sort okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's fine. Fine. No, I think we should do a fast fade. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you want this on to be four minutes, but I think two minutes is fine. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've been, I've been, I've been working a lot. Like, like, yes, yeah, though, I have done a good bit of walking. I'm kind of preparing myself to do uh, the Camino de Santiago, if you know what that is. That's I do. Trek. That got, you yeah. know what? That, well, we'll have to talk about that because uh, yeah. I, I have uh, access to a property en route. Ooh. Anyway. Oh, as you yes. were. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So, uh, so I'm I'm trying to get up to doing about ten to fifteen miles a day at least. Wow. So I'll be ready for that. And then, um, but other than that, I've also I've been working on a on a reggae album, or wow, sort okay. of a ska reggae album with the, uh, this guy Nick Welsh, who's used to he produced um, the Scratch Perry, played bass for the Selector, uh, stuff like that. So I'm doing an album with him. Um, although I have been working with him for a few years now but but we're we're doing a new record and then um putting out lots of chicken cocoa songs so yeah. there you go. <laughs> Excellent. Well, too. great. Well, um I was saying in the pre-show which is now available on Twitch only uh Sonic uh, twitch.tv/sonicstate if you want to see the pre-show. But we've just got some new monitors. So finally we've replaced the Mackie uh MR uh, HR824s Mark II with Focal Alpha 80s and it's suddenly like kind of like oh hello hello top end hello stereo <laughs> hello uh, oh, I can't wait. hello right hand side wait. not not crapping <laughs> out after after 20 minutes of too much bass uh, <laughs> uh, so i've been doing but i've also been doing a few jam things i, I, I had a re- i must say this because i can't play any of it because it's pretty much borderline unpublishable via our channel but uh, I don't, mark ribelay who is uh, a really interesting looper he kind of looks very ner- in fact he's this almost the splitting image of ed who works for us with a haircut uh, only he's he's a complete stream of consciousness very uh seems to be very fixated on uh, sexual matters but it's hilarious i mean he's, <laughs> he is a, honestly a truly unique uh looper and what i did yeah. was i watched a load of his stuff and I, I was even though you know some of it didn't work out quite so well some of it the the journey you go on with him when you watch some of his live events, you know, there's a camera behind him and there's like an entire room full of people, or, you know, theatre full of people. He's been doing these gigs and I, I started to watch a few of them yesterday and they are really impressive just and really viscerally exciting because you're with him mm. every way because he's going, he's going, no, no, no. Oh, that's good. Wait a minute. Let's go back and do something. You know, we're watching it with him. And I just yeah. thought, I watched that for ages and then I switched on the, because uh, I'm looking at the Typhoon at the moment, I just turned it on and I just jammed a bit and I was in... I was in the moment, not to the same degree, uh, but it really primed me for kind of thinking it was okay to try a load of stuff. I, I tell you what, yes. I recommend you, if you're out there, watch a load of Mark Ribolet, yeah. turn your live stream on, switch a synth on and just go for it because it, it really yeah. fires you up into that grit. I, I just thought it was really kind of quite remarkable how how fearless I felt after watching the risks he was taking, if that makes any sense. Like, he, yeah. he, yes, he is one of those. He's the master of that, isn't he? He's the master of the five, the 505, you know. This is a, uh, 
this is such a cool looper. But you see, one of the things that makes his, what he does, he uses like, th these faders are so fast, aren't they? You just, you know, you can whack, whack down a fader, whack them up, you know. So he does lots of stuff like that. And also something that's super cool with the 505 is, you know, if you stop your tracks, they can still be kind of running in the background. So when you bring them in, They're they'll in come time. back in. Well, not just in time, but where they are in in the loop rather than yeah. restarting. So there's a whole bunch of, well, or you can have them restart. You can set all five of them up to do, to essentially be five independent loopers really with different rules attached to them. And mm. I've, I've, so yeah, I've been watching you thinking, mm, yeah. yeah, maybe yeah. I should. That's a classic. That, that is, is that is a classic. Let me say one thing about this, Nick, before you cut me off. <laughs> is that I talked about this before. I've talked about it many times. But um, when the version 2 firmware came out on it, it made it a much better desktop synth or modular synth you know, looper because of a bunch of things. The MIDI clock on it is so good on it now. I use this as my main MIDI clock and have everything slave to this, um, generally. Um, being able to, you can create the, the version two software, apart from allowing it finally to be mapped to foot controllers, because in the original MIDI setup, you could only map undo, I think, to the foot oh, or something wow. like that. You couldn't That's map so record. No, because they were saying, oh, no, no, this is for beatboxers, you know. Uh, uh, but this is, um, but also being able to, you can create empty loops, press stop and play. And then whatever you set them, you could set, so you could, you could set loop, you could set loop one to be two bars. You could set loop four to be four bars and you hold down stop and press it. And then it's just an empty loop, but, but preset to whatever the tempo is. So I would typically have for like putting down some early drums and loops and stuff, have it maybe just even one bar, or you can have it just like one beat. And that's really cool. You can have them set to, you know, very small divisions of a bar. And then as soon as you hit them, because they're always locked and synced, it'll just time. start repeating it but um but it's those empty bars is a really cool thing it takes away all the haphazard thing of having to start and having to punch in and punch out and get that loop working because they just ah, set, it's a you know, prefixed it's a prefix it's prefixed so they're more it's more ah. like just overdubbing overdubbing mm. into an empty loop and that came out in version two and it makes a humongous difference especially if you are a little bit nervous about the actual the performable aspect of loopers which i know a lot of people are that was That's it. Interesting. Yeah, no, excellent. Well, I, I thoroughly recommend. I mean, if you're easily offended, perhaps not. I watched one just before the show <laughs> and it went very dark very quickly. Uh, and, and you know, <laughs> there's, there's quite a lot of yeah. visceral. It's very visceral, I think we should say, and extremely rude, but yeah. brilliant at the same time. Anyway, I suppose we should talk about news. What about this then, folks? Speaking Ooh. of, well, this is, I think this does a looper. I'm not sure. New H8, which looks a little bit like the Nemo. Um, from Alien, or yes. some sort of, or some sort of spaceship from the eighties, nineties. Yeah, I'm disappointed that it doesn't do all those fancy effects though on the on the graphics. Yeah. So basically, up to I think up eight inputs, depending on what modules you've got, uh, record up to twelve tracks. And also there are sort of various different uh, applications which allow you to, you know, get straight into podcasting mode or straight into uh, uh, location recording mode, location recording mode or music recording mode. So location recording mode, you know, like for instance, podcast mode has 
but minimal metering, but presumably programmable touch buttons. You know, and and uh, um, uh, location recording. Get you get much bigger meters. You know, it's just really color smart. It's two nine. I think was it two nine nine or three three nine nine, which doesn't seem mm -hmm. an excessive amount. Uh, I mean, the actual mm -hmm. uh, main image of it. Uh, it comes with. I, d I did actually. Yeah, I've got it here. So. Uh, uh, that's it with the XY capsule it comes with, but you can get these other modules. There's a, sort of another module, which is another four inputs of XLR. I think I scrolled. I don't yeah. know how much that is. I don't think that comes with it. But no. so you can kind of, and it's also got an Ambisonics mic as well, which is really a VR8H, which is actually pretty cool. It's like the stop which they actually have, on. have one of those. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, here we go. So you can get any X8, which will give you another four inputs. It just seems, I mean, it's, it's not the sort of thing that uh, if you were holding it and someone pulled hard on one of the cables that perhaps wouldn't damage your fingers or tear your flesh. So it's not the sleekest looking thing, but it's a very impressive and interesting box. Um, I don't know, um, Gaz, are you, uh, you... I mean, we, we're H4 uh, and we've got an H4, an H6, which we use in the studio. I mean, I, it seems like a fairly ubiquitous brand in terms of recording devices, right? Yeah, and I've recently lost my l beloved H2N, which has been with me for years and years and years. And uh, I think I left it at a gig before oh. lockdown. Oh, so I'm gutted. But it also does give me an excuse to buy a new field recorder, though. So, uh, <laughs> uh, so, I'm, so you can't detach that at all. It's it's basic thing. Well, you is can the you three. can the, it, no. The the basic thing is two. The top Two. module oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. is whatever it is. It's so whether that's an EX-8 or whatever mic you might want, but yeah. Mm, okay, cool. And then, because they've for many years brought out those interchangeable capsules, so I guess that if you've already got them, they, they're all compatible with that. Um, yeah, so, I yeah. believe so. Mm, I interesting. So. But does it do multi-track recording? Um, does it? Yeah, uh, oh, what, you mean overdub? The, H4, the H4N, you could operate that as a four-track, couldn't you? Um, oh, what, an overdub? Yes. And I've never used yeah. it as that. I've only ever used it. You, basically, we use ours as either a two-track recorder or a four-channel mixer. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just uh, it's, it's sort of so unfashionable, isn't it? Multi-track recording. Multi -track recording in, yeah. in a device. Hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Anyway. That's a good question. It might do. I, uh, okay. You you made a noise there, Chicky. Does that mean you oh, you have you yes. know? <laughs> I don't know. What, but anyway, no, 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 what, what do you think? I mean, it's a bit of a funny shape, admittedly. It's but. it looks it does look like something out of one of the alien films. Um, it's yeah. I, I, maybe there's a reason for the ergonomics of it, but I know that if I were doing field recording in the sense of what you know, like if I were doing location recording, um, it would be a tough thing to have in a bag because you'd have mic cables kind of going out every direction from it. So it, that seems a little strange. Um, that said, it, it's got a lot of functions, but then the other side of that is I have a, I have the H3, the Amazonic one. And it's interesting, but I don't think the mics are fantastic on it. And, and it does have a lot of self noise. Like um, if, if it's, unless it's, well, even if the, if the room, the sound that it's being exposed to is too loud. You can hear an audible, you know, ringing from that resonance of the of that cage that's around it. So that's a little, and I haven't figured out a way to stop that without changing the sound quite a bit. So I'm a little wary of, of some of this stuff, but I, you know, the the lower numbered uh, Zoom stuff, you know, they are quite 
practical. And like you said, you use them all the time. And mm. would I would I use something like this? I mean, it, it might be kind of fun to have. As cheap as it is, it'd, be, it'd certainly be fun to have it as a as something to experiment with, especially if you could do overdubbing on it. But I, I think it'd be more for just trying to capture, you know, multiple. Like yeah, I mean the uh, the oh, what is that BTA one? What's that? You can monitor levels and hit record, play, stop each application. Just insert your BT. What is it? Remote control. Bluetooth some, adapter. Ah, Bluetooth adapter that goes in the front there. Okay, I'm just looking, but yeah. I mean, mm. there's there's a sort of argument for its uh, lack of uh, uh, um, you know it, it, its ergonomic. You know that is a right yeah. mess. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. But, do you know yeah. what I really like? What I really like about it though is it is like a proper Japanese looking design. You know, I've always had a thing for Japanese design, really kind of quirky stuff that could only really come from Japan. And, you know, I just thought I'd just grab this because Zoom clearly oh, do. Oh, is that the ring? Have you got the donut? <laughs> yes, indeed. Oh, good. I'm so glad the, somebody the has. The Zoom Arc. The Zoom Arc. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's God, definitely it's from the same design team, isn't it? <laughs> I know. So I love them doing wacky designs. I mean, the Zoom Arc, which I did pick as my 2016 best of Nam. <laughs> That's before I actually got to use it. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that but, often the way? You know, I just want I want quirky stuff to come from Japan, and this—that's what I love about this about this new Zoom. Though, I mean, it does. You know, you might call it ugly, but it just you. Anytime you'd whip that out, people would be like, "Ooh, look Ooh, at what's that!" that? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, hmm. So it looks like you get six inputs on uh, as standard, with the extra two on the mic, or possibly another four if you've got the EX8A uh, EX8. But yeah. Oh, there may frozen. be a reason not to. Yeah, yeah, we got you. All right. Okay, yeah, there may be a reason for it. And I'm, you know, I don't want to harp too much on the ergonomics thing. Okay, but looking at that, that sort of, I guess it's the middle module, whatever the larger model, module yeah. is that you plug all the, is there a reason that they're not all running parallel into it? Because if they are, as a, as a person who's really, who finds it very important to keep, you know, mic run, mic cable runs very neat and everything. You can tie them together and then, you know, pull them off to one side. This way, it's just like a, it's a starfish, floating it? mass. It's kind of, yeah. It just, it, when they had it in the video on that, on that mic stand, you know, mounts on the mic stand with all these cables come out, it looked like, speaking of alien, it looked like the face hugger. You know, it was just very, <laughs> it just, it, and I, you know, Oh, kind of there we got two. We got that. We've got two now. So okay, cut the modular pub expert is one title, and the face oh, hugger, yes. face hugger multi track is a, is now that's another <laughs> that's another one. Oh. That's I think that might mm -hmm. might it might do it. I'm not sure yet. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but no, I can fair. imagine. No, you see, early. you're saying that you're saying that, and I think that's a very very good and professional point about the about that but if you imagine it was actually on the desk for like a um podcast kind of thing running to the mics then actually it's then that ergonomics could kind of work couldn't it because uh could all, yes you know if you're all around a table uh, i mean obviously what they're trying to do isn't it is trying to keep it as narrow as possible and just extruding out to that shape so you can get six xlr connections yeah that's true without expanding the body any bigger than it than it needs to be yeah, to make well, it six point. well it wouldn't need to be any wider it's just literally that where they beveled off the sides just yes you know. so yeah, you're not really going to save any space i mean you are saving a bit of 
whatever the plastic housing is, you know, but how much, yeah. how much would that cost? You know, so I don't know. That's, that's my opinion. But that's yeah, I take your point. But anyway, I, I think it's available soon or now 399 us, I guess, can it be similar in Europe, uh, euros and in whatnot? Uh, uh, M Wilson in the, in Facebook says, uh, f- face hugger multi-track is going to be hard to beat. Yeah. I think you're yeah. right. I think you yeah. might, I think you might have that cheeky. Well, uh, so, uh, that's too, sorry, guys. Oh, sorry, guys. Um, okay. Oh. Well, anyway, that's available soon. Um, so let's, oh, yeah, this, I mean, obviously this is this is somewhat sad news, but uh, also um, oh. this is uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Ennio Morricone, uh, who passed away, sadly, uh, quite recently. 91, I mean, pretty pretty good innings and crammed a lot in and obviously has a lot of musical memories to leave us by. It's a really interesting, I was reading about his bio. I mean, he's a fascinating bloke. I mean, basically didn't really leave... Uh, Italy or even Rome for years. He won a, a, a lifetime Oscar award. It was the first time he'd been to America, and he was in his eighties at the time. You know, it's astonishing. Wow. So, uh, some of his greatest compositions. I mean, apart from the fact that you know, we probably most people of a certain age probably know him for his kind of good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, here's a bit one. Here's there's one of the finest. This is uh, a great. I mean, really? you, you forget. But these, as we were kids, these films were very, or certainly of a certain age, are very atmospheric, and this really just kind of... Oh, I love it. Absolutely did it. It was da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, the classic... Um, it, it, there was a lot of um, Esquivel, you know, there's a similar sort of this sort of slightly insane uh, left-field, almost avant-garde. In fact, I, I didn't realise this, but he started out, he was actually part of a, a group of... Il Gruppe, uh, who were avant-garde composers in Italy, who created... They recorded a whole bunch of albums and it's really interesting stuff, you know, like they did something mm. called Feedback. I, I, I need to discover this because I didn't know this. And he was part of that. He was the, sort of the founder or the, the kind of overseer of that group for years, which was an avant-garde composition group who also did a whole bunch of pop arrangements, did a whole bunch of TV stuff. Obviously, the film things came slightly later in life, but it's the it's the emotive quality. And, you know, in the various reports, I've been seeing the word maestro used, and it made me sort of think, mm. what is it that, you know, that's quite, that, that's that's an underused term, isn't it? It's not, but but what is it? What does it mean to get that? How do you, what do you have to be? You know, because that's quite, and I guess he is, isn't he? I know, Gaz, I mean, you, I have a feeling you've got a soft spot for Ennio, Ennio Morricone. Uh, did you go and I see totally. him? Because he played, did he play, he did a, he did a tour, didn't he, quite recently with an orchestra? Yeah, no, I didn't, and I was gutted. But I was fortunate enough to play in an Ennio Morricone orchestra um, a number of years back, uh, just to, like, not with him composing, sadly, but... Um, but playing a whole set of his music. Um, is it difficult? Is it? I mean, is it when you look yeah. at it, is it, is it unusual? I mean, it's, it's, it seems oh, it's effortless. Certainly un- the form is crazy. The form of the music. I mean, this particular set we were doing had quite a strong uh, spaghetti western um, amount to them. So, And that only does represent a small part of, of his incredible catalogue. But I mean, because if you listen to a lot of his 70s stuff um mike Patton from faith no more the great mike Patton, the the current frank zappa he released an album um a compilation of any morricone's music called crime and dissonance which is like a compendium of like really dark funky and uh, avant-garde uh uh Oh, but I say dark, super dark music with uh, some of the best riffs I've ever heard. And it's a completely different flavor from 
maybe the stuff he's more well known for. But of course, you know, he carried on and and, and he did a lot more mainstream stuff as well, yeah. didn't he? Um, yeah, a lot of pop as well. Yeah, right. So, certainly in Italy in the fifties and sixties. Yeah, right. So he's got a massive, massive wealth. I mean, I've only discovered a tiny yeah, fraction of it. It's astonishing, isn't it? But playing some of that music live, and, and as anyone knows, when you play music, other people's music, you get a, a really great insight into it by being inside the music rather than the receiving end of the music. And um, and genius is the only thing that comes to mind, really. Just absolute remarkable genius. And, uh, of course, you know, a great loss to the music and film community. So, yeah. Hmm. So. Yeah, there's, uh, well, um, uh, once, is it once upon, not once upon a time in a bear, Gabriel's oboe, what's, where is it? I'm um, looking for it. The, uh, Untouchables? No. Who, un- uh, once upon a time in America. Yeah, this yeah, one. I'll play it. a little bit of this. The pan- I won't play much because, you know, as we know, I'll probably get busted for it. But, uh, I mean, we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, very impressive. I mean, you, you do scoring stuff. I mean, was there, have you ever been trying to channel Ennio or kind of been inspired by the, those, some of those soundscapes are just like, what? Yeah. How did you yeah. come up with that? <laughs> um, I remember I, I, the first time I became aware of him was when I was a kid, you know, and you learn how to whistle with the, you know, the, like, or whatever that Oh, is. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we would do the... Is that what that was? Yeah. Ah. yeah. Or I don't know if that's how they did it, but that's how we learned to, <laughs> to do that. I can't do it. Let's I, see. I, I, Oh, I'm going to fail me. <laughs> yeah. uh, hold on, oh, let's have, let's have uh, 20 minutes of us all trying to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is it Ocarina? I don't know if it is. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, but yes. Yeah, probably. I, I, probably I somewhere. But that's, yeah. that's, how I, that's how I became familiar with his music, was learning to do that. And, and I heard all the other kids doing it. I was like, you know, what is, what is this from anyway? And then I, some afternoon after school i watched good bad and the ugly and <laughs> and of several of his other films and i was like oh this is where all this music is coming from and that's how i how i initially get familiar with him um and uh yeah he was he reminded me a lot of like it's sort of like you know you're talking about the avant-garde stuff that he did it's a little bit like you know picasso in the sense of you can see a picasso piece and think it's you know, yes, it'd be quite abstract and everything, but then you you see some of the work that he did where he's doing like uh, you know more realist realism or not photorealism, but sort of you know standard drawing, and you go, wow, this guy was trying really, to do it. Yeah. He, he could do he could do all of this stuff. So it, it's not like he could only do the abstract stuff, you know. Um, and so yeah, he was. He was very, I mean, obviously he's very talented and he was maestro probably because, uh, he was a master of what he, what he did. You it's know? interesting and, that he, he was actually, uh, I was reading his Wikipedia, which obviously is not, you know, gospel, but he was one of those kids at, at six years neither old. Neither is mine. <laughs> at six, he, was six, he was six when he started composing. So, you know, we're talking shades of Mozart and as we'll see Beethoven, six years seems to be the one, isn't it? It's Because Be- Beethoven, yeah. we might get to a, bit, a little bit later, you know, this kind of notion that, that Mozart set the bar at six. So now you've got to be, you've got to be doing a full concerto yeah. or whatever it is at six years old. And then you kind of, then you can count yourself. And it sounds like he was one of those musical genial yeah. kind of type individuals he's a very good pianist and, and whatnot but yeah i mean sad but 
the good news is we'll probably get to see a load of Ennio scorned, scored films on terrestrial TV, which is yes. never a bad thing. I mean, the, the interesting thing yeah, also yeah. is, uh, uh, oh, what was I going to say? It's go- It's gone. Ah, oh, it's passed. That's a shame. Oh. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's really interesting and uh, fascinating stuff. Yeah. Well, mean, he's he lived a long life, so yes. that's a great. That's a really positive thing uh, to take out of it. I mean, incredibly productive life as well. Enormous, yeah, yeah. Exactly. enormous exactly. catalogue. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think they yeah. were saying that he's done over four thousand films. It was something enormous. Oh. It was just something that really what? I mean, I was thinking when I heard the four, I was thinking four hundred. <laughs> That's a lot, but it was it was a factor yeah. of ten more than I thought. Uh, I think that, that, that there was the the he got the title in in Hollywood. If if he was scoring your film, your film would be like thirty percent better as a result. Mm, uh, and there yeah. was a really good interview. Um, they, they were, I saw these clips where he was basically saying it's his job to manage the director's expectation, take it on board, but then do what he wanted to do anyway and make sure that the director was on board. It's just, you know, so even that managing that, even at his level, he's still managing the the, the client to a degree, you know, as well, which mm-hmm. sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, just yeah. all those truisms apply even if you're Ennio Morricone, you know, so, mm-hmm. hey, yeah. that's kind of all right. And, and the mission. Don't yes, forget to the, mission, the mission if you're watching. The mission. That's a uh, that's such a beautiful soundtrack. That is, uh, and uh, did yeah. he do? He did. Uh, didn't he do a Tarantino one recently? Didn't he do? Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight. Yeah. Okay. That, so there we go. Yeah. Yeah. Still working mm. right up to the end. Yeah. Still working. Unbelievable. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, let's uh, let's just have let's get into our uh, compo top. So uh, as you know, uh, last week we switched up to uh, Stutter Edit, and we're going to do that again this week. So let's just have a little talk about Stutter Edit too, uh, which is uh, BT and Isotope's latest collaboration. From the mind of composer and electronic music pioneer BT, in collaboration with Isotope, Stutter Edit Two brings movement to your mix faster and with more versatility than ever before. Stutter Edit 2 lets you slice audio into razor-sharp rhythms and moving effects, creating exciting new rhythmic worlds within your music. Instantly recreate the famous stutter effect in your samples, sound design, and beyond, all with a single button. Control a vast array of studio quality effects, all linked to the timing of your stutter edit, making it easy to add filter sweeps, panning effects, pumping dynamics, and more. Stutter Edit 2 is the fastest and most exciting way to dynamically elevate your music productions, sound design, film scoring, and more. Head to isotope.com to download a free 10-day trial, and check out our other Creative Suite products too. Indeed, if you want to uh, check that out, go to isotope.com. Uh, in fact, uh, we had, mm. Yoad was on last week and he was he was actually extolling the vote. He was saying, yeah, all that complex stuff is great, but the, just the raw effects themselves, when you tame them down, just use the algorithm, sound fantastic as well. So, uh, you yeah. know, that's a good one. Um, so, yeah, we have a competition. You can win that for yourself, uh, isotope.com. Uh, sorry, isotope, start Reddit 2. We're looking for the hashtag performance effects. This is the hashtag performance effects. That's performance with the... FX on the end of it, and the hashtag StutterEdit2, the number two, uh, to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. That'll go into the Twitter sphere, and we can we could do a search based on those hashtags and pick a random winner for next week. So the hashtag PerformanceFX, the hashtag StutterEdit2, to at SonicState and at Isotope Inc. And that is a uh, Twitter competition, let's not forget. Uh, so you do need to tweet it, but um, that's fine. Uh, and we have a winner for last week, and it, as in seems to be in the tradition of people I pick 
just have the most unpronounceable handles. So uh, <laughs> in, in true form, uh, last week uh, they call themselves DH, but actually their Twitter handle is at DVHZLDN. So Twitter handle DH, d no, Twitter name DH, but at DVHZLDN. <laughs> it might be short for something, but I have no idea what it is. If you want to get in touch, you uh, will pick this from last week's uh, competition to receive a copy of Stutter Edit 2. We thank Isotope for continuing to support us uh, by providing mm. prizes for the competition. So, um, oh, let's see, where should we go next? There's so much to talk about. I mean, <laughs> not, it's not always newsy news, but there's, um, should we do some more news? Because uh, we did the maestro news. thing. Should we do, yeah, let's do, yeah, let's go for this. This is something you mentioned as well. This is uh, Studio One version <gasps> 5. Oh, wow. And this is a great video, actually. Um, I don't know if it's someone I know did it, but it's uh, I'm liking liking the production of it. So, uh, yeah, we, we won't play it all, but there's a number of new features. Uh, 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 one of which, which is really interesting, is kind of main stage live performance type integrations, which will trigger stems and allow you to kind of bring up virtual instruments as well. As to the show page, perform or stream, Studio One, there we go. Uh, there's new plugins. There's a console state, which is snapshots of mixes, which is not new, but it's not everybody does that yet. But that's a really big deal. So you can have alternative mix snapshots. Uh, and the other thing, the listen bus, which is I don't know why nobody's done this before. You know, it's like basically listen bus. Are they okay? All right, but I suppose it's not. Maybe I suppose yeah. Can you run plugins across the listen bus? Yes, because okay. you can. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well. So they've already introduced some stuff that loads of people have already had going on, but I know Studio, <laughs> Studio, no, Studio One is actually considered by many, because it's quite a fresh DAW. This is one of the mm. things. We've talked about this before, where DAWs that are bringing along all the users and are trying to make sure all the projects are compatible and stuff, it's a huge amount of baggage. And this is one of the sort of newer ones. So you can put fresh features in and you can start from a, 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 a more slimline code base, I guess. So we're up to five with this. Uh, Charles, you, you said, oh, don't forget this. So I'm going to come to you first are you a studio one user i can't remember whether you are i'm guessing you might i be. am ah. since uh since last november okay. i how's the transition uh it was a bit rocky at first just because i've been a pro tools and ableton guy for well i started on pro i don't want to give my age away too too much and by the way wikipedia <laughs> lies about my age um but i started on pro tools well, before it was called Pro Tools. And um, and I've been on it for years. I've been on Ableton since it was version four, I think, mm. uh, with a bit of reason. You know, I work and I do logic and so forth. But um, a friend of mine that I, I just really love working with is a big Studio One person. And so kind of to work with him, I thought, okay, well, I'll get it. It's not that expensive. And I, I start on version four, uh, four point, or the early versions of four. And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I love it. I love mixing in it. I love how they respond to user feedback. I love the feature set. I love just the way you can like drag plugins onto clips and just have it just do that, an effect for just that clip. It just, it's very, very intuitive. Um, and now this version of five, I it got announced yesterday at I think at eleven p.m. or eleven a.m. Central Time in the states, 
and I've been trying to download it ever since. <laughs> I, just, I think I, I don't know if the website crashed or if it was just overloaded. Well, you know what the deal was, but I, I haven't been able to download it yet. But every feature in it. So I, whenever I, uh, whenever I go live, I use uh, a, a combination of Ableton and MainStage quite a bit live. Um, and uh, now I can just use this because I love the effects. And I, I do love the effects in Ableton, but. I also, I love the effects in this. Um, Mm. I love the scoring aspect of this because I find myself, or or, the notation, I find myself having to use notation more and more. You know, I I spent years learning to read music and then uh, tried to forget it. And then suddenly in in the past few years, I've had to start using a lot more music notation. So that's a very good feature. Um, Yeah, I just, I'm really, I'm very excited about this. uh, every session I have it's, now is it's interesting, is isn't it? That DAW uh, updates. You, that there was a time when DAW updates used to be an event, didn't they? And it feel and 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 now they're kind of you know they're not mm-hmm. not often so much. Or people try and make them, but I get the sense that this feels like it is. And I don't know what makes yeah. it so. You know why why that over Ableton Ten or Cubase Ten, whatever. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it is that kind of yeah. makes it like that. But that this seems mm-hmm. like it might be. I'm just in the chat room. Uh, or as your head said. Uh, uh, has the high track count performance? I recall a friend having to go back to Logic because it's uh, because of it. Um, I don't know whether that's the case. Maybe I'll come to you, mm. Gaz, because you do you use Studio mm. One as well? I mean, you, I know you've given feedback, haven't you? Yes, I have, and I've used I've used Studio One since version one for the project mode as my main mastering environment, and I think it's a very underrated uh, aspect of uh, Studio One. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, making CDs and stuff is less important these days, but I mean, it was certainly a very good way of doing that. And, you know, you can put your ISRC codes in and all that kind of stuff, but it had this really clever way, or rather it has this really clever way of uh, once you create your kind of master project that when you save a mix, you don't need to mix it down and import it into the project. Uh, Once you've established that that song belongs into a project, you can go back and forward between the mastering element. Oh, you know, oh, want to change the vocals? You just go to that song, change the vocal, and press back to project, and then it mixes it down automatically and then puts it automatically back into your project, you know, into your mastering thing. It, there's a bunch of very cool features that are super unique, and in, and that one is... I, I don't know any other software that, that does it. But uh, um, so I've used it mostly as a mastering uh, host. Um, and I'll, if I need to make a, a more complex adjustment during ma- uh, mastering, for instance, some sort of automation, I'll do that inside of the Studio One environment and with that link that I've just talked about. So you can go back and forward in a, in a cinch. Beautiful. Uh, I did meet some of the main designers of it at Superbooth last year and got into a conversation with them and they took on board some of my ideas in the project mode, which I am super delighted. I've managed to make it work to my workflow. So yes, mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> I feel really chuffed about that, but no, it's brilliant. Uh, also, they have they were first out of the post with ARA2 support for the new Melodyne 5's chord track, they which is super cool. Out- yeah. They brought it. They um, So basically, it can use all of that Melodyne stuff to oh, extract that's good for you, the then, chord. Yeah, you and then, but then you can go, 
add to chord track. So then it goes to the main chord track of Studio One. So all of the MIDI tracks, everything can conform to that so studio. That's really it. So you could you could basically have a backing track for yep. any in any style, yep. bring yep. in a demo and just go, yeah, can you just yep. take chords. that and apply it to this, please? And it's not just, it's not just the chords. It does. Uh, it, you can grab tempo information through that tempo. as well. It's yeah. and Melon Five is part of the new update of. Mm. Um, of, oh, of right, uh, okay. so that ARA Sorry. ARA two integration means that you can just and this is in Cubase two, but I don't think you can sync the chord tracks as of yet. I might be wrong, but but that ARA two integration just simply means rather than having to export out your file or push play and capture it into Melodyne, you literally click to edit it, and in that bottom window that opens, there it is automatically in Melodyne. So the two softwares work seamlessly together. But I mean, that's been possible for a f few iterations, I think. But um, but now with this core track, I, I, but that's not a, a version five um, feature particularly, uh, but exciting stuff though. So I think Studio One's definitely starting to take strides ahead, certainly in some areas. So that's that's really exciting yeah. to see. Mm. Interesting. They, they've uh, also, they've instituted this, uh, this clip gain thing, which, you know, they before they've had clip gain. You know, you just select your clip and then change the how how much gain there is on the clip itself. But now you can actually do it as an envelope. So just like in Pro Tools, you can actually, you know, go through and you get an immediate and feedback. That, is that like, separate from automation? It's separate from automation. It's just oh. within the clip. So you actually, as you draw down, you see the the actual waveform shrink down to match what you're doing. So if you're trying to say even out, you know, a, a particular clip, you can have, you have a visual representation of mm. the work that you're doing before you even hear it. And if, if it works, just <clears throat> if it works like the Pro Tools one does, it's, it's, I mean, when I, it's the one thing that I was just like, some stuff I can do better in Pro Tools. This was mm -hmm. one thing. And then they obviously listened oh, to, cool. you know, people ranting about that. And now they've, they've put that in. I'm, that's why I wanted to download it immediately. I'm, I'm fine with taking mm. the chance on on updating immediately because I'm so excited about that one feature. <laughs> Interesting. Can I can I just say something while I remember? And this is only from my own discoveries uh, with Melodyne Five, and I think it was possible on Melodyne Four with the addition of the the sound editor part of Melodyne. But there is a dynamics control, and uh, sorry, I know we're talking about the Studio Five. But I apologize, but you can obviously do this inside of Studio one with a with that ARA integration but you you change the dynamics control to make it less or more dynamic and it works like magic so when you need to do compression for um more technical purposes rather than for the sound reasons you know for the flavor mm. reasons you just slide this control and it just basically evens the blobs out like like yeah. magic because it's going to every single blob and then just adjusting its relative value and just from that technical compression point of view, it's just staggeringly good. Sorry, that was it. That was just no, okay. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, I think uh, it's three hundred forty-four to buy, which is the professional version, mm. which seems you know that's the top uh, one hundred twenty-nine upgrade from any previous version. 
uh, or 8520 for artist version. I don't know what the limitations are. I would recommend you head over to personas.com and check that out uh, if you want to find out the exact price because there's, as with many things, there's lots of different flavors. And I think they have, do they have some kind of subscription model as well? I think there is a potential yes. for that. And maybe that's for, so you've got the choice. Uh, and I, I initially saw subscription. I thought, oh dear, but actually you can buy it. There's no, it's not, it's not either or. Yeah. So you can. The, the subscription is pretty cheap though. I mean, Relative to the price of actually buying the software, you can do a subscription for, I think, $15 a month or $16 a month. So you get the full version and you get all this online stuff and you get the collaboration stuff, which I don't use it so much like that because I prefer to do a session and then just send it to somebody. Yeah, but, um, it says but yeah, 12 pounds a month and uh, you get it. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, there you go. Yeah, there you so go. That's, so, I mean, that's that seems to be like decent pricing. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's more, that's some more tech stuff. I, I was going to link this into the Morricone because it was the maestro thing. Because speaking of maestros, because yeah. uh, I watched this uh, documentary about Beethoven. It's called Being Beethoven. I watched episode one. It's a BBC thing. I don't know if you'll be able to get it where you are in the world, but it it was. I was I was just a start. You you know this. He's a legendary, legendarily legendary uh, of all, probably Mozart and Beethoven, probably the two big, real big ones, aren't they? In terms of, I mean, strictly, mm-hmm. it's not kind of contemporary, but it, it has affected everything that we've had since mu- music began in many ways. And um, it was really interesting. He had the, the really pushy father who kind of like tried to force him in. You know, he he got him to do his first. Um, um, what do they call them? Uh, presentation. Where so he went to uh, you know a concert and he lied about his age because Mozart was six. Mozart was still alive when Beethoven was six. So then, you know, he was actually seven, but he taught, he said he was six and then they played everybody went, wow, he's amazing. And it, and and he, but he was, he was, he was driven to it by his father in an almost sort of, you know, an unreasonable to an unreasonable extent. Fortunately, he was very gifted and he also had a propensity for music and loved it. So it made it a lot easier for him. And he was, he was, you know, a truly remarkable individual. And then as we know, he, in his twenties, he started to become deaf. And, uh, you know, yeah. this was something that he lived mm. with, his decreasing ability to hear. And it's and it's really, what's really interesting about this uh, documentary is they go through the facts, but they've also got a couple of uh, psychologists and child psychologists and sort of to examine perhaps some of the reasons for the way that he behaved. There's some really just fascinating. There's one point in it where he says mm. he's got a letter where he's... he's, he's uh, uh, apologising to somebody where he basically blew them out of the water because they turned up for a piano recital and the guy took one of his uh, lines and just kind of improvised with it and he was supposed to be the real big shot. And uh, Beethoven went, OK, and he just sort of walked up to the stage, grabbed a random piece of music, which was a cello part, turned it upside down and wiped the floor with him, you know, and, and it was really embarrassing. <laughs> and he wrote a letter yeah. sort of saying, I'm really sorry about that. And uh, the psychologist says, yeah, He's quite he's quite used to doing this because he's doing this all the time with lots of his good friends where he's really really rude to them and he feels he has to apologize. It's fascinating, mm. but it, yeah. I, I suppose that I I don't know why I brought this up. I think the maestro mm. was the only real link, but uh, yeah. absolutely fascinating documentary if you get to watch it. I'd like to add in that my favorite quote from that show was Oh, you watch it. Uh, yeah, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, I saw I, I'm I'm a big big Beethoven fan. Um, so there was this quote from, um, I forgot her full name, but her name was Magdalena and he was, you know, totally in love with her and he proposed to her. And years later, the woman's <laughs> daughter asked her why she didn't marry Beethoven. And she goes, because he was ugly and half crazy. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah fair well, enough, I guess. pretty obvious. Yeah. But, no, it's... but he was pretty nuts apparently. So yeah, I, 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 I mean, I it sounds so. like. 
it sounds like uh oh well we could die we could you know retrospectively diagnose from afar which is always a bit dangerous but yeah he sounded like he comes from you know al so alcoholic father who was also a bit of a slave driver and and he had this love of music but he was pushed into it so hard and you know i mean i don't i don't know how how i would react my my family had no understanding of music at all and didn't understand why i even had why I ever even wanted to play an instrument like they just thought it was weird so i don't know what it'd be like if my family was like no you must practice the violin from 3 a.m until you know whenever which is not violin but in his case it was piano but that's sort of what they did his because his dad would wake him up in the basically their early hours of the morning 3 4 a.m and make him start playing and practicing and it's like i can't imagine what that must have been like to to live through but then again maybe maybe it was uh it was well, we, we, all, ben have we all benefited it. somehow apart from him yeah perhaps. yeah we did yeah i know guys if you haven't seen it it's a really good watch actually really good watch uh and oh, and, yeah. and the rest of you folks out there i mean you know one thing that was really interesting is he came to terms with his deafness he sort of finally kind of get he wrote he what happened he wrote a suicide note said i can't take it anymore it's just too much because he was having to hide it because obviously you can't be the kind of the best composer in the of the age and people find out that you're going deaf because they will have no faith and then he embraced it and then when he came back he composed in a very different way and he did all his really big bombastic works which were sort of loud and aggressive and and very uh, ambitious and much less sort of melancholy although i think one of the first ones was moonlight sonata you know which is you know go figure hmm. it's how do you, how do you compose that if you're <laughs> deaf i mean yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, that's not really much of a topic, but um, I don't know. It's um, a good topic. It's, it's a, good, a topic. good topic. Okay, fair enough. Uh, interesting sound design. Uh, t uh, uh, um, Freak Wave uh, Seven Oceans or Seven Seas. Uh, this is part of the Ocean Archive. Uh, basically, took eighty-four sound designers. Let me uh, let's take this one. This one. The reason I got this is because it's got Banar Hafar in it, uh, who you might be able to see just there. She is occupying seventy-five to ninety hertz, which I think is a bit of a stingy wave, a stingy bro uh, <laughs> uh, frequency band. What they basically did is they took. Uh, 84 sound designers, they gave them hydrophonic recordings from various oceans, because they've got a big archive of it, and they gave them the brief to base or use those recordings, any recordings they liked, into a very narrow, in some cases, frequency band to create a, a piece. Let me play this. This is probably the easiest thing. So you hear this stuff. So, you, But the mixer allows you to... I mean, I'm, I'm turning up the 5K. You're probably not... I can hear that, actually. So we can completely... completely re-blend so there's 60 second loops that just play Ooh. and this is Banahafaz which is very I mean imagine getting the 50 to 60 hertz frequency range do you think that's like being the support band of the support band <laughs> very different oh I can't it's starting it's like to crack up catering. I can't really hear that but it's really there are seven of these pieces oops it's breaking up because I've turned the uh, the 60 hertz up too loud really <laughs> interesting idea and actually quite um, quite nice uh, but really interesting to to think about that in frequency terms I don't know I mean I know Gaz how, what frequencies would you like to have if you were being given a, a frequency range to work with it because it's really it's not I've not thought about it in these terms before it's quite hard I would have 80 to about 140 i reckon okay so that would be occupying 
two bands, I reckon... which I think is fair enough, because somebody gets oh. 5K to 12K. I mean, that's like thousands oh. of hertz. I know. And yet, 75 yeah, to 90, but... 50, you've got 15 hertz to play. That's just... Mind you, yeah. you can't hear that much. You know, the difference is like, in those high frequencies doesn't from, like, say, five... Well, from, like, 2K to 5K or, you know... That feels like a tiny amount compared to 75 hertz to Whatever. 85 hertz or something. Yeah. I don't know, just... Well, you get a lot. Of, there's a lot of rhythmic <laughs> pulsing. You can't really hear that sort of stuff, but it's it's yeah. a really interesting idea. But like I say, mm. I just don't know how. how I mean, because the lower ones tend to be sort of this more sort of rhythmical, sonorous, very low frequency. Mm. But it's a, it's a uh, yeah. I I wonder how. How I long does it go? How long? How, how low? low? It goes to fifty. Fit between, well, the, uh, hold on. Let's have a look. So, uh, Chandra Shulka is fifty to sixty hertz, uh, which is basically nobody without. A decent studio monitoring system or good quality headphones. Yeah. Lionel, Lionel Vasquez gets 60 to 75. Banafa gets 70 to 90. Larry Seven gets 90 to 140. Gus Ferguson. Oh, I wonder if that's the Gus Ferguson I know. I don't think so because he's not a sound designer. 140 to 180. So, you know, the further up you go, the wider bandwidth mm-hmm. you get uh, in terms of, uh, but yeah. tricky. I, I don't know what frequency I would choose. Well, I'd probably want something low because like Gaz, I'm a bass player and I, I really love low frequency, but um, I can tell you the frequencies I would not want. I wouldn't want 160. I wouldn't want 315. <laughs> I wouldn't want 1.6. Probably not 400. Yeah. Probably not All the ones you tune 1.6. out of the room, right? Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the ones I go, oh, 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 gosh, just zip that right out. Um, but yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably choose. I'm surprised it doesn't go a bit lower only because, yeah, you would need a sub and so forth. But there is some, you know, there's some beautiful things you can do down in the 20 to 40 range. That I guess you could go, go full theta, couldn't you? You could just have two beating yeah. sine waves and just really... <laughs> in, in fact, you could even, you could do something almost like a binaural beat thing. So where you have, you know, 40 and 44, and then suddenly you get these theta waves going. And yeah, that's very new AG, I know. But, but that would be kind of fun. Uh, I, I mean, it's that would be that'd be a range I'd enjoy playing around with. I wonder also. I mean, I've got. I'm just sort of riffing on the process here. So, I, I mean, I'm assuming these were composed to these, or maybe they asked people to compose a full frequency, and they just basically band limited it and just go, "That's all you're getting." You know, this is so. You know, even if you went outside, oh, I need to just go outside. I need to go to maybe 110 from 75. Can I? No. Brick, and what sort of brick wall filtering would you use? Because you'd need a pretty serious slope. And on some of those low ones, mm. you'd end up with clipping, wouldn't you? Because the, the waves would be sort of squared off. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Gaz, mastering yeah. head, have you got any thoughts on that? <laughs> Ozone 9. <laughs> <laughs> Ozone 9, ocean version. But it, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I am being a bit flippant. It's actually quite lovely. There's a lot of different flavors mm. and moods in it. And it's it's really nice. I, I think some of it is based on hydrophone stuff. Some of it is more modular and maybe processed. But uh, yeah, some interesting things, definitely. Um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, well, we've got two we could do. So we could do, what time is it? Oh, it's nearly five o'clock. 3D nylon piano or the uh, government arts funding? Should we do? Piano. Uh, nylon piano. piano. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this is uh, from Sampleson, uh, uh, Digital Luther. This is a really interesting idea. So what they've done here is they've made an instrument you've never heard before, which is a nylon, a kind of morph between a nylon guitar 
and a Tyne piano. That's uh, EP30, by the looks of it, EP, uh, what is it? I've got one of those, but it's not white. I can't read what it says. Um, so the idea is, so it's, I guess it's physical modelling and it moves between uh, various sounds. And it's, it's not so much that the sound of it blew me away, even though it does sound quite good and organic and quite lovely. Real-time spectral transformation, which I guess is what we were seeing in... Uh, ooh, in the stuff, uh, like the, the, the backbone-type technology, the Snowbird backbone. It's really, it's a very affordable. It's like 20, 25, it's, you know, not very expensive. Uh, I should yeah, probably, uh, let me see. That's the one browser tab I didn't open up, so I should probably open that up so we can just look at the. So uh, I mm. think it, yeah, twenty nine bucks. Regular price forty nine. I'm not sure what what when the price goes down. We can have a look there. Download now. Yeah, it's still uh, twenty nine bucks. But I, I guess part of the thing got me is is. Obviously, this is this is again. It's one of those technological leaps because we've seen backbone. Now we see this. There must be a technique that is, but DSP engineers now have their teeth into and have figured out maybe there are libraries that enable certain features and certain breakups of frequency transformation. Do you think we're going to see some instrument more instrument mashups like this? Because that's essentially what this is, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, I thought I thought this was really cool. Uh, the price is great. The watching the video, the one thing I was not so sure about was every single sound had a on the very top of it. And I yeah, I think you can. It looks like, but you the can, last the last yeah. patch that they had, it didn't. It did like it's it funny. Didn't. The very last patch in the video was suddenly didn't have that on it. So I, I'm assuming you can, you know, get rid of that. But um, yeah, it's, uh, it's something like that. It's quite cool. Uh, it did sound a little bit like. You know, we, we Gaz has mentioned before about um, when we were talking about you know picking like the worst sounds ever from a, from a, <laughs> a synth, like the the electric guitar thing. Yeah. So it reminds me of those <laughs> two the really Roland, crap is, patches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is the, what are the Roland old Roland modules? Is it was like the JV whatever series ten eighty. 1080 that's what i'm thinking it, it, like the nylon string guitar patch it was a yeah. it was a little bit like that in there i mean I because the way they're playing it mm -hmm. it sounded like a keyboardist it didn't sound like a guitarist but that's i don't think that i don't think they're going for the guitar sound i think no it's just going for the the tone of it and i thought the tone's quite quite cool for 29 bucks yeah, yeah. that's a good thing to have mm -hmm. in the arsenal i suppose the, a thing, lot that of I, the thing i was also great. wondering is what what mm -hmm. so if we're talking about the you know the the the, the donkey parrot, you know, or the uh, the cross between the uh, the phoenix and the griffin, or what you know what I mean? These kind of like mashups, yeah. these sort of almost like morph morphology. What two instruments do you want to see mashed together with a big old parameter switch between the two? Oh, damn, that's <laughs> yeah. on the spot. Um, yeah, no, I was I'm sorry. Say <laughs> Let's have your thoughts. Sorry, guys, you don't have to answer that right away. Just I will just think give about us your it. It's, it's a good one. Um, so. A couple of thoughts I had about this is I was curious to wonder what it would be like to play it with a MIDI guitar. I think it might mm. be quite interesting just because it's got that guitar-y sound and, and whereas, you know, it's being advertised more to be played as a piano to have that guitar sound. The, the flip side I thought might be quite interesting. But, uh, but the other thing that it brought to mind was there was, and I'm sure the chat room can help out here, there was a very early VST, I think it's from, gosh, a long time ago, 20 years ago maybe, uh, made by Steinberg, and it was all about 
creating hybrid instruments you could like uh, mix so you could take the top end of a you know of like a clarinet and mix it with the bottom part of a of an electric guitar uh, what was it called? It was I Steinberg. I so ahead of its time. It well, was a really cute. Logic had one as well, didn't they? It was a sort of physical modelling, but it was attributes you could mix and match rather than right. Yeah, this Steinberg one was very much about making kind of instrument mashups. So, um, my goodness, it's such oh, a there long are time so ago. many electric guitar. Uh-huh. The trombonica was uh, a trom- <laughs> was uh, Steve Elbow's uh, trombonica, which is the Steve Elbow's, which is uh, uh, cross between guitar and harmonica there's some there are a lot of i should have done this one at the beginning we could have had we would have we would have been sorted for titles for shows for weeks <laughs> yeah. you know, i did i took my I, so i have a, a Rhodes uh mark ii and i used to I, I i did this thing for an album where i just took samples of each note i have it set so that the the pickups on it are just slightly off at like so, sort of off center and so you get this odd kind of dull out of phase kind of tone so I, I recorded each one of the notes on that hit quite hard put it into my key 2000 sampler chopped off the beginning of it and then you know like moved the sample point and then smoothed it out a little bit so it was really nice uh so that i could do pitch bend on it to get a really convincing um uh lap steel or pedal steel guitar and so if you could do like a cross between a Rhodes and a pedal steel, I think that's a good combination because it's a beautiful tone. Ooh, you put yeah. lots of like Holy Inst- Grail on it. Instant beautiful. Larry Carlton. There you go. There you mm. go. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, can I just say, Nick, it was Plex. The, uh, the, the, ah, yes. um, okay. the, the chat room was right. And it was Wolfgang Palm who was, uh, who was behind that. Mm. Uh, so ah, okay. Got you. <laughs> um, okay. oh, I've got um, my instrument as well. Oh, I've got my instrument. Okay. I want, I want, I want like the subsonics and the low end of a sousaphone with the spikiness of a harpsichord. <laughs> a sousaphone. That would be called, I believe, sousaphone. Or a, a harpsichord. <laughs> yeah. Oddly, yeah, I, I play sousaphone, so maybe I could uh, help Whoa, you out there, guys. Well, that's your sample. <laughs> I, I do right actually now. play it. <laughs> oh, well, Rustic, it Rustic Inc. is not impressed. He says the show title should be Better Luck Next Week. Better Luck Next Week. He's a very uh, spiky character in the chat room. <laughs> but there you go. I suppose it takes all sorts. Um, okay. Well, I just thought I'd throw that one in there. Um, that is the uh, the sample song. Uh, well, it's Electro Nylon. So it's uh, basically Electro Nylon. Uh, real-time special transformation. Uh, and that's, I don't think it's just a... I, I mean, it might just be a crossfade, but I don't think if you're saying it's real-time spectral transformation, it could just be a crossfade. I think this is the thing that we've we've been across before, wasn't it? It was like the Hartman neuron. It was like, wow, the technology behind this sounds really interesting, but ultimately it, it sort of just sounds like a crossfade. <laughs> so <laughs> that was part of the issue that you got with that because you... It, 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 yeah, and that's great, but the end result is something different. But anyway, I just thought it'd be a bit of fun. Okay, um, well, chaps, I think it's uh, we're probably at the end of the show, uh, pretty much apart from the... Well, I should probably... The good news is the UK government and many other governments around the world have finally uh, realised that the arts and culture are uh, are an important factor in, uh, in hmm. the economy and our well-being, and the, the UK government have just put up uh, 1.5 
1.6 billion quid nearly but that covers everything you know museums ballet to, to venues and all sorts of things it's still it's great news and it's good news of that i think that all came out because of this uh uh this concept that there was a there was a sort of uh let me see if i can find it i'm trying to look for it now i, I don't think i've got the uh there was a big hashtag movement for it which was there was, was yeah. uh let the music play and we make events which is the thing um and you know it's this all the arts and stuff like that this is part of this country's soft power is by exporting music in the arts yeah uh, i'm just looking for and it's so, worked really well for korea too so you know well small, I, I think small i think part of it came there was, there, there was a, there was a survey that i think was the singapore uh in the singapore sunday times did and it was it, it, it was a, a really unfair because i think they said artist you know what was the most uh the, the the least useful job in society the most non-essential job an artist came first and if you take yeah. artists to be the whole of creative arts, then I think it wouldn't have come last. But I think they were probably, you know, some chap with a beret and oil paints and, you know, just sort of daubing on a bit of canvas, which, yeah. I, again, is, is, is totally unfair to say that. But I think if you put it in the right terms, say, OK, creativity generally, creative arts, then it would not have come top as the most non-essential jobs. But it, it started a conversation and it got a lot of people really uppity and quite rightly so. And so I think mm -hmm. everybody felt also it can't happen here and it is happening here. We really need to sort it out. But that's, I suppose that's a bit of good news. I don't know how you get hold of any of these grants, but uh, I guess that's for them to let everybody know and whichever country you're in, you know, sometimes it can be helpful. And hopefully that means that when we're out of this, there will be some gigs, there will be some venues, there will be some stuff for us to do with all this great mm. work, or at least the time we've spent thinking about what we're going to do when we get around to being creative again. And I think, you know, let's, let's support that. Uh, I mean, we're bound to, obviously, because we're about the creative process this podcast anyway but yeah. anyway i just thought i'd throw that in there as a bit of good news so um thank you everybody gaz and uh, and chicky thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure to have you uh chicky i guess uh, have you have you got the rest of the day off or are you into another session what's happening with you uh no i'm uh, I'm, I'm trying to finish off a chicky and coco song so i will hopefully have that up on youtube in the next 24 hours or so right, but i'm okay. also trying to download studio studio one so mm -hmm. <laughs> so who knows and my internet's a little iffy at the moment that's why ah. it's been a little choppy ah, so okay. yeah, we'll yeah. see I wondered. it's normally absolutely rock solid but yeah thank you very much for joining us uh, chickyandcoco.com there's stuff on youtube do check all of that stuff out and uh, also mr gaz williams there in bristol lovely to uh, uh see you again uh, i know you've been away for a while and oh andy was over filming some stuff so we got the silver bullet yes. hopefully coming up soon yeah yeah there we got that in the bag yesterday and i will be broadcasting live on my regular show this evening oh, but excellent. without a guest because i've decided not to do a guest because i've got too many things that i want to do uh, including thoughts about the band the thoughts about the band rush and okay. <laughs> and they've actually been really important in my life and i've just gone through awful things and rush of I've, i i loved them when i was 16 it was like my getty lee especially was my like massive hero and then i just turned my back on him i gave my albums away for because uh, i i really started to think that you weren't mental that they meant i don't know and then i come back to them and i think i've just reconnected with it in a way that's um that's been really meaningful and special to me so i'm going to be talking a little bit about that on the show i'm also going to be showing some of my latest uh euro rack acquisitions and speaking of geddy lee i'm going to show you the big uh, Geddy Lee's big 
beautiful book of bass, which is something I've recently acquired. <laughs> All of that title. coming later. So Brilliant. yes. Oh, that's excellent. So join me, please. Uh, well, did yeah. you actually? The other thing that I, I dropped, I had dropped over to Gaz was the MC seven hundred seven. Have you had a chance to switch it on yet? I played with it a couple of days ago, and I actually have to say, very immediate. Oh, what was it? Sorry, the Roland MC seven hundred seven. Oh, the 707, yes, yes. I've just been playing with it myself. Ah. Uh, yeah, interesting. I mean, it's this a deep, that deep, deep ro Roland synth. Because uh, this is the thing I was thinking about. Um, a while back when I did the D05, you know, the the D50 boutique, yeah. and, um, and you sort of see that's the beginning of the Roland digital synth engine, really, isn't it? You know, and the, the partials yeah. and... The, the TVF and the T1 and T2. T exactly, and yeah. No, then... And then it developed, and then through the the JVs and XVs and all that kind of thing, that this complex digital engine. Uh, and when we did the review of the um, the axe, the the, the Kitar, the Roland yeah. Kitar, that had a very deep engine. Well, in that's it, got obviously. the Zencore, hasn't it? The Kitar. It's actually got the Zencore, I think. Oh, it is. Because yeah. uh, it's. I have to say, uh, though, I mean, but but yeah. I, one thing I would say is, when I played with the Jupiter XM. I found the menu system infuriating and I, I really felt that it was, whereas actually on the MC707, rather, uh -huh. it, it's more somehow more intuitive and it's easier to use, I thought, just to yeah. throw that in there. No, I mean, the 707, I guess I'll, that's what I was going to say, just, just viewed purely as a synth, not as a groove box, is pretty, pretty astounding, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. It's good for Is it as good as the 626, though? Oh, yeah, well, I forgot to mention uh, you know why I that. Six two, you know what? It's, of course, six two, episode 626, the Roland 626, the drum machine that probably nobody has fond memories of. Uh, I don't know. I, I've got a little demo here. Just Let's just remind ourselves of what it sounded like. This is the, from uh, Jabberwookie. So it's, that, it's about the time of digital drums trying to sound like real drums. Yeah. Well, I suppose it's it's linish, isn't oh, it? Good. It's got that kind of it's, yeah. it's there's a bit of it's got a, a kick drum, but it's really interesting. It's so machine-like, isn't it? I yeah. mean, we're so yeah. used to hearing yeah. randomization and variance. But you know, early day. I guess it was a precursor to the R8, which was the sort of human drum machine, which was a bit more variant. Uh, I don't know, maybe not. Anyway, that, I suppose yes. Thank you, Chicky. You reminded me that if this is episode sixty-six, which has a the, in the nomenclature of uh, Sonic Talks ties in with the drum machine. So why not mention it? I should have done that at the beginning of the show, and you saved my arse. Thank you very much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, folks, thank you uh, very much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure as ever. Um, we shall see you all in a week's time. All being well, stay safe where you are, do the right thing, and uh, be be kind of you know be a good person. See you next Watch time. Thank you very much. Take care. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs>